Father in heaven, you've already heard us talking because the promise of the Bible that tells us where two or three gather together in your name, you're there in, in our midst. Well, Lord, you're in our midst. So you've heard us talking about families that are battling illness. They're very close and dear to us. So, Lord, we want to bring them before you and ask you to, to help them get past this. We're asking you to send healing, not just for the, the two families that we were talking about, but, Father, for all those that are in a, a place of sickness, a place of illness, a place of struggle. We're asking that, that you do what you do so very well. Bring your peace. Bring your healing. Bring your presence there. And Father, in the midst of it, I pray that you will show them your love. And I pray that that will happen through your church. Then, Father, as, as we open our Bibles today, I pray that you will show us some things that maybe we've been unaware of. Maybe we've scratched the surface of it at times, but never gone into the depth of it. So I pray you'll help us look deep. And I pray you'll help us find some treasures to take with us. Lord, I pray those treasures lead to transformation. I'm asking that in Jesus' name and with great faith. Amen. Have you ever said thank you to somebody and felt like it just fell flat? You said thank you and it just laid on the table like you never said it? You ever said thank you to somebody and then later they said that you didn't? And you're absolutely positive that you did? And so an argument ensues. They say, well, you never thank me for this. And you say, I thank you for it all the time. Here, I'll illustrate that for you. Let's just imagine that Tina cooks dinner for me every night. Well, that's not much of a stretch. We share that responsibility, but she bears the bulk of it. And so she makes this nice meal for me, and I say thank you to her every night. We've been married over 30 years now. So for 30 years, I've said thank you to her every night after she's made this meal for me. And she comes to me one evening after supper's all done, and she says, you never, ever thank me for dinner. And I say, I thank you every night. And she looks at me and says, you have never once, not one time, ever thanked me for dinner. Anybody know that type of a scenario where you are on the verge of, of losing your mind thinking, oh, I, I do say thank you. I do say thank you. But the other person is absolutely convinced that you don't. You know what I'm talking about? Well, it may very well be that if you have experienced that type of thing, and it doesn't just have to be in your house, maybe that even happens, let's say you're at a restaurant and, and the person that's serving you brings something and you say thank you and they just turn around like you didn't say anything at all. So it's fallen flat. It's just left laying there on the table. Maybe if that's happened to you, it's because you are experiencing the effects of what philosophy refers to as the law of diminishing returns. Now, if you're not positive what that is, here's a good working definition of it. The law of diminishing return says that the longer you rely on something for results, the weaker its impact will become. The longer you say just thank you with no variation whatsoever, the less impact it's going to have in somebody's life. In fact, it can even get rapidly to the point where it has no impact a lot of studies have been done on that very thing, the law of diminishing returns in the realm of gratitude and thankfulness. Take a look at what some of the experts have discovered. People, it turns out, get tired of the same old thing after a while. 
They like feeling valuable and appreciated, and saying thank you while nice is actually one level removed from that. People hear thank you every day. What they don't hear often is real sincerity. Those same experts have done some other studies to figure out how you can push past this law of diminishing returns in the realm of gratitude and actually communicate in sincerity in such a way that people will actually hear it. They would say that all it takes are just a few tiny tweaks in how you communicate your gratitude. So here are 25 different ways to say thank you that can actually get through. Take a look at them. Number one, I'm so grateful. Number two, I appreciate it. Number three, thanks for your hard work on this. Number four, I couldn't have done it without you. Number five, I owe you one. Number six, much obliged. Number seven, thanks for having my back. Number eight, please accept my deepest gratitude. Nine, I have to give credit where credit's due. Ten, this has been such a blessing. Eleven, I can't thank you enough. Twelve, cheers. Thirteen, that's so kind of you. Fourteen, much appreciated. Fifteen, thank you for taking the time to do this. Sixteen, your support means the world. Seventeen, many thanks. Eighteen, I'm beyond grateful. Nineteen, I sincerely applaud you. Twenty, I'm forever indebted. Twenty-one, I stand in recognition. Twenty-two, I'm blown away by your kindness. Twenty-three, it means the world to me. Twenty-four, I want to acknowledge how much you've done. And 25, thanks in advance. See just tiny little changes, how they can make a difference? Those studies are really pretty accurate. If you just shift up your thank you just a, a quarter turn, people can hear it, and you can push past the law of diminishing returns. Now, I wasn't trying to experiment with this at all. I was actually in sincerity saying thank you to a couple of guys just a week and a half ago. It was just a week ago this last Wednesday. I remember exactly when it happened. I had been looking at this message, though I wasn't studying for it because I was studying for last week's message at that time. I'd just been looking briefly at this one and, and knew that there were a couple of guys that had really... They had just really spoken life to me last fall, and, and I wanted to say thank you to them. So I fired off a text to each one of them individually, thanking them for what they had said and what they had done for me and, and for my wife. And, and with all sincerity, I wrote these messages to them. Well, one of those guys responded via text very quickly, and he was extremely appreciative of the text, of the message that I had sent. The other one, I went through the entire day, didn't hear anything, and wasn't even thinking about it. And on my way home from Salt Group that night, I got a phone call from him. And this was actually what he said. He said, I never received thank yous like that. Just want you to know that that meant a lot to me. And so then we, we talked about some different things, had a pleasant conversation. But at the end of it, I thought, huh, interesting how just shifting up the thank you makes a difference. And it really does. It really does. That is not my intention this morning to teach you things that your mama taught you when you were growing up. It is not my intention to show you just the value of a thank you. I want to show you something much deeper. I want to show you how thank you, how gratitude impacts our walk with Christ and how it becomes a visible sign of transformation. It comes from Colossians chapter 1. Join me there, would you? Colossians chapter 1, 
We've been in this study since the first of the year. This is our last week on this study of the transformed life. So this is the last time I'm going to read this passage to you. Pay close attention. Verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins." Now, over the course of these past four or five weeks, we have pulled out five key things that are signs of a transformed life. We'll put them on the screen for you one more time. Here they are. Number one, the transformed person is filled with the knowledge of his will. Two, the transformed person is walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. Three, the transformed person bears fruit in every good work. Four, the transformed person is strengthened with all power. And number five, the transformed person gives thanks to the Father. We have talked about the first four. Today, we're focused on number five. Here, we'll just pull it out. The transformed person gives thanks to the Father. As we wrap all of this up, it seems very fitting that we get to do it with this idea of thankfulness, of gratitude. Most of us have no problem at all going to God and asking Him for things. It's like it's second nature for us. We do it very easily. But for many people, going back and saying thank you once we have experienced the answer to our prayers is not second nature. It doesn't come easy. And as a result of that, a number of folks, even people that have been in Christ for a long, long time, never do. They never go back to God and say thank you. So gratefulness just falls off the page in their walk with the Lord. But for those that have grown up in Christ, now I don't mean chronologically, I mean grown up in Christ, you get to the place where you understand the value of gratefulness within your relationship with Him. And you do that because you have understood that what you have with God is actually a relationship. It is a relationship. And therefore, gratitude has a place within it. Doctrinally, there is a term for this relationship. It's interpersonalism. We'll put it up on the screen for you. Interpersonalism. That's how we define the relationship that we have with the Lord. Psychologically, interpersonalism is easy to define. That's the interaction between one person and another. That's all interpersonalism is. It is interaction between one person and another. Theologically, when we define interpersonalism, it sounds like this. It is the interaction between a person and God based on our relationship with Him. Sociologically, it's just called community. We have community with other people, therefore there is relationship. We have community with God, therefore there is relationship. 
And there is great power in that community, in this interpersonalism, the interaction that happens between us and the Lord. Now, it's interesting in some of the studies of community, the things that rise off the page. The Harvard Business Journal actually did a study on the the power of thank you within the business world and the community that rises out of that, and here's what they discovered. Acknowledging each other is our basic responsibility as human beings, living in community with other human beings. Okay, there's acknowledgement, just knowing that they are there, knowing that they are contributing within the business world, that acknowledgement really matters. And when that progresses into gratitude, results will increase. Study after study after study has been done on that. Those of you that work for people know that when somebody really acknowledges what you have done and they know that you are grateful for it, that it matters, you want to work harder for them. If you go to work every day and you are never acknowledged, your efforts are never acknowledged, and there is no gratefulness, doesn't really motivate you much. So in the the business realm, People see the power of it. They see the value of it. Well, doesn't it make sense that the same thing is true in our spiritual community, in our interpersonal relationship with God? Now, our gratitude doesn't make God want to respond more, but it certainly changes something deep within the relationship, and really, it's within us. So here's what I want us to do. Let's take a little journey through Scripture and see what we can learn about this, what I would call today, this spiritual discipline of gratitude. And I can't think of a better place for us to begin that journey than the book of Psalms. So let's go to the center of your Bible. We'll start right there. In Psalm chapter 50, verse 14. This is a psalm of Asaph. Asaph has long been believed to be the priest that would always walk at the front of the crowd that would move the Ark of the Covenant. He was a musician, a worship leader. So when you come across a psalm of Asaph, under David's reign, he was the guy who was responsible for getting everybody organized to move the Ark of the Covenant. He lived in community with the presence of God. So he knows what he's speaking of. Listen to what he says in verse 14. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me, he says of God. Now, Asaph is writing what the Lord gave to him, but listen again to how he starts. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. That's why I would refer to gratitude as a spiritual discipline. It is something that we have to choose to invest in. It is something that we have to take very seriously. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Asaph knew what he was talking about. He was responsible for the moving of the Ark of the Covenant. Now, if that happened under David's reign and Asaph was very close to David, it only makes sense that David might have a few things to say on this issue as well, and he does. Let's go from Psalm chapter 50 to Psalm 69, verse 30. This is David. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him 
with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than an ox or a bull with horns and hoofs. When the humble see it, they will be glad. You who seek God, let your hearts revive. Boy, if you are reading that critically, here's what you discover. David is saying that God would rather have a sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of thanksgiving, than the offering of bulls and calves. One is a responsibility. That's all it is. That's the sacrifice that was done under the Old Testament law. A lot of people would do that solely because they had to. It was a command. The other, this sacrifice of thanksgiving, this offering of gratitude, it's not a responsibility. It's a sign of relationship. It is a sign that that you're acknowledging God's presence, His community within your life. So you're coming back before the Lord saying, thank you for what you have done. Thank you for how you have brought this about in my life. You're choosing to acknowledge the presence of the Lord. See the difference? And here's David saying, God would rather have your heart. He would rather have you saying thank you, acknowledging his presence. He would rather have the relationship than just you coming in a form of responsibility. Oh, this, this matters. Thankfulness matters. If we're going to have an interpersonal relationship with God, we're going to have to figure this out and make sure that we invest in it. So invest in thankfulness. Now you might say, okay, that's Old Testament stuff, but how does that apply in the new? Well, let's make a transition from the old to the new so that we can see it. We'll start in the old. We're still in Psalms. So let's go to chapter 92, verse 1. The psalmist writes, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp and the melody of the lyre, For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands, I sing for joy. So the psalmist is saying, as I see the work of your hands, I'm singing it. I am singing it. I'm doing it with joy. But he starts out by saying, it is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name. And from there, he progresses into what we do in worship, how we sing, how we bring an offering of praise before God. All of that starts with a heart of gratitude, understanding what God has done for us. Now let's go to the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of the lips that acknowledge his name. Through Jesus, because of Jesus, the writer of Hebrews is telling us, let's continually offer up praise, the fruit of our lips. Continually offer up praise. So we can move from the Old Testament to the New, seeing the exact same teaching. Thankfulness and gratitude matters. Matters in the biggest of ways to God. 
And if you have an interpersonal relationship with him, if you have community with him, it should matter to you as well. Now, there's an interesting group within the Bible that understand that. There's an interesting group, and you're going to understand why I use that term in just a minute, that have demonstrated what it looks like. We're still taking a journey through Scripture, so let's just jump into this group. Here's why I use the word group and not the word people. It starts with the angels. Angels understand the power of thankfulness. Angels understand the power of gratitude. Now, I'm going to show you how the angels understand that, how Jesus understands that, and how the Apostle Paul himself understands that. But I'm only going to show you one passage of Scripture for each one of those this morning, because if we went through every one of them that I was looking at this last week, number one, we'd be here well into the afternoon, and number two, you'd go home with paper cuts from jumping through all the Scripture. So I'm only going to show you one, but trust me, there are a lot more that go with each of these. Let's start in this group with the angels. We'll go to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 7, starting in verse 9. Revelation 7, verse 9. The Apostle John is the author. He writes, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all the tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory, wisdom, and here it is, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. There's that word thanksgiving coming from the mouths of the angels as they worship around the throne of God. Now, why would they do that? Because they live in community. They live in interpersonal relationship with God. They know what God brings to their lives. They know what He brings to their very existence. And so thanksgiving flows freely from them, separate from honor, separate from praise. Thanksgiving is its own category, and they are invested in offering that before the Lord. A lot of other places, particularly in the book of Revelation, where we see the angels doing that same thing, just don't have enough time to look at every one of them this morning. So let's take a look at Jesus himself, the Son. At Libby Christian Church, we believe in the triune Godhead, the teaching of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all being one. So it is a really intriguing thing when you see how the Son offers thanksgiving to the Father. We'll go to the Gospel of Matthew for this. Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 25. Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. Doesn't take Jesus long. Here we go. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. 
All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Love how Jesus does this. He describes the community that He has, the Son has with the Father. In fact, He says it's, it's pretty specific. No one knows the Father except the Son, and no one knows the Son except the Father. But then He throws this invitation out for us to come into that community, into that relationship. And here we have the Son thanking the Father, Jesus thanking the Father. It's not the only place in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that you see that happening. I'll show you one more a little bit later in the message. Jesus thanked the Father all the time, separate from honoring the Father, separate from giving praise to the Father. Gratitude and thankfulness stands on its own, and it requires its own effort. The angels knew it. Jesus knew it. The angels practiced it. Jesus practiced it. So did the Apostle Paul, the one who wrote this passage that we're studying in Colossians chapter 1. He understood this practice. Let's take a look in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12. Paul says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Here's Paul saying, man, I I thank God. I thank God for what he has done for me, how he has changed my life, appointed me for his service. Paul's heard it taught. He has seen it practiced. And so now he's practicing it himself and he's teaching us to do the same. I love that Paul's doing that. So in Colossians chapter 1, this passage that we're looking at, he actually gives us four reasons that we are to be thankful to the Lord. We talked about them on the very first week of this sermon series. I have no reason to believe that you remember all four of these just off the top of your head. So if you're still somewhere near Colossians chapter 1, let's walk through them again, starting in verse 12 of chapter 1. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. There's at least four, and we could easily say five reasons that the Apostle Paul says we are to give thanks to the Lord because He has qualified us, delivered us, transferred us, redeemed us, Travis now. That was me giving a little signal to Travis at the soundboard to save you. So sorry about that. So, Those four things, possibly five things, the forgiveness of our sins, has been poured out on us by God the Father. So Paul says, give thanks. Give thanks for those. 
And in Colossians chapter 3, he takes it a little bit deeper. Take a look with me. (coughs) Colossians 3, verse 17. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So Paul teaches just a couple chapters later, whatever you do with your life and with your words, they ought to be a reflection of your gratitude. They ought to be a reflection of this thankfulness for what you have received. When he says that, he is setting up a path for us to discover some pretty incredible secrets about gratitude in Scripture. Did you catch that? He is setting up a path for us to discover some pretty incredible secrets about gratitude. Let me show you what I'm talking about. The first one is found in Romans chapter 1. When a person discovers this depth of relationship with God, this depth of transformation with God, to the point that it changes our actions, it changes our words, our deeds, Paul says, then that becomes physical evidence of salvation. It becomes physical evidence of your relationship with God. Gratitude becomes that. And it separates you from the unsaved. Gratitude and thankfulness separates the saved from the unsaved. Now, don't believe me on that. You believe the Bible. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth, For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God, listen to this, or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Want to separate the righteous from the unrighteous? Thankfulness and gratitude does it. Thankfulness and gratitude towards God is one of the simple, visible ways to know whether a person is a believer. Honor and thankfulness go together in this particular passage. So, does a person give honor to the Lord with their mouth, with their life, and is there a visible, verbal sign of gratitude for what God has done. If those are in place, you may very well be looking at one of the transformed Christians. A person walking closely in community with God with an interpersonal relationship. Now, if you were to say, preacher, I want that. I I do. I want that. How do I do it? Because I don't just want this hollow thank you that I throw out to God because I feel like I say thank you to God all the time. So how do I pull it off? 
Well, let me give you just six ideas today that can help you with this. These are six ways, six things to thank God for. You can put them on a calendar and use them if you want to every day so that you start to develop a sense of gratitude, a discipline of thankfulness. Here they are, real easy for you. There's scripture attached to every one of them. We're not going to look up the scripture. You can do that on your own. Take a picture of this if you have a phone or an iPad with you or write them down, whatever works for you. Number one, thank God for who he is. That'll help you develop this sense of honor that we just heard about in Romans chapter 1. Psalm chapter 30 verse 4 talks about that. Number two, thank God for his nearness. Psalm 75 verse 1. That nearness, that's interpersonalism. That's community. Number three, thank God for your salvation. That's basic. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. Thank God for his provision, for food. John chapter 6, verse 11. You ever wonder why it is that we pray before we eat? Because Jesus did. That's why. You ever wonder why we say thank you for the food that is put in front of us? Because Jesus did. That's why. Because in the Old Testament, we're taught to. We're taught to pray before the meal, and we're taught to pray when we are well-fed and satisfied. Because it is a simple way of acknowledging that God is the author of all provision in our lives. So why not move those simple rote prayers that you use that probably fall flat on the table into something that actually says, Lord, thank you for taking care of us provision. Number five, thank God for what he's doing in the lives of other people. That'll change your focus. Second Corinthians chapter eight. And then number six, thank God for the spread of the gospel one story at a time. Romans chapter one, verse eight. Now there's just six different ways that you can shift up your thank you and take things a little bit deeper. As you do that, you will take one step further away from the unrighteous, from the unsaved, as far as visibility is concerned. People will be able to look at you and know that you are really acknowledging who God is and that you live in community with Him, that you have an interpersonal relationship with Him. But I, I told you that in Colossians chapter 3, Paul was paving the way for us to understand a couple of secrets. The first one, that the unrighteous never thank God, so the righteous always do. It's one of the separating factors between the two. Well, it does some other things for us too. Take a look at this from Max Lucado. Gratitude is a mindful awareness of the benefits of life. It's the greatest of virtues. Studies have linked the emotion with a variety of positive effects. Grateful people tend to be more empathetic and forgiving of others. People who keep a gratitude journal are more likely to have a positive outlook on life. Grateful individuals demonstrate less envy, materialism, and self-centeredness. Gratitude improves self-esteem and enhances relationships, quality of sleep, and longevity. That's pretty cool that these earthly studies have discovered all of that. The Bible shows us that thankfulness does something else for us. And oh man, what a cool thing it is. Join me in the book of 1 Thessalonians, will you? Chapter 5, verse 18. This is the Apostle Paul. 
Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You ever wrestled with the will of God in your life? You ever wondered what God wanted you to do? You ever prayed for God's will? You ever used terms like this, not my will, but yours be done, Lord? Not really knowing how you were going to know what God's will was? Well, my friends, if you want to clear your vision up, if you want to be able to see the will of God, it begins in thankfulness. It begins in gratitude. If you want to be able to see the will of God, to determine the will of God, then start in thankfulness. And then everything else starts to fall into place underneath it. It changes everything about you. It recalibrates you. It gets you focused on who God is. It gets you focused on His provision in the moment so that you can see His path into the future. Gratitude is the key to understanding the will of God. It not only separates us out from the unsaved, it becomes a visible sign of a transformed Christian living in an interpersonal community with God because of His Son, Jesus Christ, and it keeps us there in the will of God. See how powerful this discipline is? It is not to be taken lightly. I love those little secrets that are tucked away in Scripture that when we choose to find them through a discipline can change our lives. Let me leave you with one other thought. The Lord knew that we would struggle with this, so He gave us something that in our church we participate in every week to remind us to be thankful, to remind us to be grateful. We've been talking about community. We call this time in our service communion. Tyrell Thompson's going to lead us in it in a few minutes, but when we come to a time of communion, we get some very specific instructions in different places in Scripture, like this in Matthew 26. You don't have to turn, just take a look up on the screen, starting in verse 26. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my body of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of this vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Right in the middle of communion, Jesus gave thanks. For us, every week, when we participate in the Lord's Supper, we have this opportunity to give thanks, to remember what Jesus did for us, to start right there by saying, thank you, Lord, for loving me that much. Now, if you're doing the math, I gave you six things just a few minutes ago. Here's number seven. You have an entire week of thankfulness that you can make your way through, starting with a command from Jesus. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me and then going into the rest of your week with different things to thank God for. That's the way to develop a discipline. You use those on a daily basis until it becomes habit for you. But when you want to take it deeper, let me encourage you to go back to those 25 things that we put up on the screen a few minutes ago and just tweak how you say thank you to God even a little bit 
so that it isn't falling flat on God, but it's also not falling flat on you. Shift it up so that you start to develop a new pattern. By the way, if you're doing the math, if you will do seven days starting with communion of developing the discipline of gratitude and then launch right into the 25, you have over a month's worth of things to say thank you for. You have a month's worth of ways to say thank you. And if you want to take it a step deeper than that, get yourself a prayer journal. Max Lucado said in his study of different things and the research that he was following, that people that use a gratitude journal, a prayer journal, tend to be much more satisfied and happy because you get to look back over the things that you were thanking God for. So if you really want to develop the discipline, use a journal to do it. And then you'll be able to track your progress. You will be able to track how you're doing and God's responses to your gratitude and your prayers of thankfulness. It starts in communion understanding what the Lord did for us because of His great love. If there is anything for us to be thankful for, it is Jesus' death on the cross because it was there that we found forgiveness for our sins. Three days later, when Jesus came out of the grave, we found victory over death because we just get to follow Him right through the empty grave. Man, I can't think of two things that I am more grateful for. Anybody else in that boat with me say amen? That ought to shift everything in our lives. That separates us from the unsaved. Those two things do. The rest becomes a matter of determining how much we want God to know our gratitude and our thankfulness, and everyone else will see it as well. Develop this discipline. It matters. That's why it sets at the end of those five things in Colossians chapter 1. It's the crown jewel of all of it. It's the butter on the biscuit, the icing on the cake, whatever you want to call it. It's the steak on the plate. Well, we'll just stop. Develop the discipline. Develop the discipline. It matters. Why don't you stand and pray with us? Father, we are so grateful, so very grateful for what you have done for us. Lord, without you, we have no hope. Without you, we are bound by fear. Without you, death is victorious over us. Because of your great love, because of your Son, Father, we have hope. Fear has no place in our life, and death has no victory. Thank you. Thank you for dying for us willingly. Thank you for walking out of that grave and leaving the stone rolled away. Thank you, Lord, for the transformation that happens in our lives once we understand that, this ongoing transformation. Please don't, please don't believe that when we forget to come back to say thank you, that we miss its impact. We don't. So, Father, stir us to come back. Stir us to say thank you. Stir us to remember. Stir us, Father, to develop this pattern, this discipline, 
unto great depths. And I pray that that will bleed over to every other relationship we have. Thank you for teaching us through your word, through your will, through life. Thank you, Father, for showing us great secrets that change us. In Jesus' name, amen.